Ho, 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 witches. Official podcast merch is finally here. Oh my God, I'm so excited that I can finally share these with you. You guys, I've been keeping this under wraps for over six months and I honestly don't know how because I'm not a very good secret keeper, but our manifestation hoodies are now live and they are ready to shop just in time for holiday gifting, cozy winter days running errands, or breezy nights on the beach if you live in warmer weather like me. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit because even when you've done it a thousand times, stepping outside of your comfort zone and trying something new is still scary. So I've been having all of those typical thoughts that we go through. Is this going to work? Will anyone care? Are they going to love it as much as I do? What if nobody buys? All of the things, right? But in order for me to be an embodiment of what I teach, I've just got to say fuck it and go full steam ahead anyways. So the hoodies are here. We've never done merch before, but I am so, so excited to bring something to our podcast community that we can all just like be matching and have fun with and wear together and I can see you guys in it and we can take pictures and it's just going to be like so cute. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the hoodies in case you're interested and you want to grab one. Yes, they are cozy and they are really soft on the inside. So it'll give you that like cozy, soft feel on your skin on the front, like little corner. There's a small makeshift happen logo. And then on the back in big, like retro sort of bubble font, it says co-creating with the universe. And there's two colors that you can choose from. There's either a black hoodie with white lettering, or there's a white hoodie with pink lettering. Now for sizing, I really like an oversized hoodie. So for truly, truly oversized, I would recommend that you size up from your normal size at least like two sizes. So for reference, I'm five foot three and I normally wear a small or an extra small in most tops, but I wear a large and sometimes an extra large in these hoodies because I like to be drowning in it. <laughs> but if you want a more true to size fit, Don't worry, you can just order your normal size and it will fit you like a traditional hoodie. So Jaime was also part of the campaign and the photo shoot that we did to um, promote the merch, which you guys can see over on Instagram if you head over to my page. Today, I'll be posting more photos and videos. And he's six foot one and he wears an extra large, which for him is like a comfortable but slightly baggy, but basically true to size fit for him. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you guys if you want to go check them out. And you can also head over to my Instagram to see more photos. And the link to shop will be in my bio on Instagram as well at underscore Samantha Daily. If you want to be matching with me or your spiritual besties this holiday season, treat yourself to this cozy manifestation hoodie. You guys are going to feel so cute while you're out running your errands, wearing some biker shorts and your oversized hoodie or hanging out with friends, lounging at home or just on your hot girl walks around the neighborhood. But if you want to get them before the holidays, I do suggest that you order as soon as possible because each hoodie is going to be individually printed, packaged, and shipped as it's ordered. So this whole process from start to finish will usually mean that it'll arrive at your house in five to seven business days, but it could take up to two weeks depending on the demand that we have and where it's being delivered to. Yes, there will be worldwide shipping. So for all of my besties in other countries, you can still grab 
have one, which I'm so excited about. That was actually really important to me to make sure that we did worldwide shipping. So if you do decide to rock one of these hoodies with me, please, please, please take a picture of you wearing it or when it comes in the mail and tag me on Instagram at underscore Samantha Daily or send me a DM so that I can personally thank you for your support. Seriously, you guys, it means the world to me. I can't wait to see you in these hoodies. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This week, I have a special episode because I was actually able to record with my assistant and in-house astrologer, Lori, in person. So she was actually here at my house before we went to host the retreat together in the Dominican Republic. So I decided while I had her here, we would just record an episode together and kind of lean on her for her astrological guidance and advice. And so we recorded a really fun episode for you guys all about the new year. We talk about habits, routines, our own toxic work patterns. We get into a lot of things. We also talk about Capricorn season energy, what to look for, the traits, the shadow sides. We talk about money, responsibility. We also get into the biggest kind of astrological shifts that are happening in 2023 that all of us are probably going to feel on some level. And we go over Saturn returns because Saturn is shifting this year in March. And so that means there's a new wave of people who will be experiencing their Saturn returns. And so we talk about that, what mine was like for me, what the lessons were that I learned this year in my Saturn return, and what you might be able to expect if you are someone who's coming up on their Saturn return in 2023, which if you are in the age range of 26 to 29, it's likely that you might be in that group. So we talk about a bunch of interesting stuff. Before we dive in, I want to remind you guys that next week, enrollment is going to open for the Reset Challenge. So if you've been with me for a while, this is something that we do, well, we've done it for two years now, and it's always so much fun. This is my favorite way to kick off the start of the year in community and just get the vibes up and get into these like positive habits, patterns, and routines together as a group. And so the Reset Challenge is a 10-day challenge where we commit to three things, movement, meditation, and manifestation. So every day of the challenge, you're going to be providing provided with some sort of movement. I'm going to give you either a high intensity workout or a yoga flow. And I guide both of these things. So I'll be working out with you in like a video format with music that you can follow along with in your own time. It's pre-recorded for the workout so that, you know, if you like to work out in the morning, you don't have to wait until I'm live over in America doing it at a different time. So you can do the workouts in your own time, but we'll alternate between high intensity workouts and yoga flows. And I'm going to guide both of those for you. And then you're also going to get a daily meditation from me. And then you're also going to have a daily manifestation challenge. So each day of the challenge, I'm going to give you some small actionable step that's going to help you cultivate the right energy, get into the frequency, practice some sort of embodiment, or just do something physical in your life, a physical exercise that's going to help prepare you for manifesting the things that you're desiring in 2023. So it's a really, really fun 10-day challenge. It's $55, but we always run a sale at the very start of it. So keep your eyes open next week when the doors open. And I hope to see you inside. We start in January. We start on the 9th. So we give you a little bit of time to get settled after the holidays. And then we're going to go from January 9th to January 20th, actually doing the challenge together as a group. So if you're interested, if you want to come join us, it's 
so much fun. It's super low cost. I encourage you to be a part of it. It's going to be an amazing time. This is our third year doing it. If you've done it before, you know the vibes. You're welcome to rejoin us again to get into the energy. And yeah, I just hope to see you guys there. So keep an eye out on my Instagram. And if you're signed up to the email list, you will definitely hear about it. And if you want to know more about it, shoot me a DM on Instagram or make sure that you are subscribed to my email list. So you can go to samanthadaily.com, enter your email anywhere on the homepage and you will be subscribed. Or you can click the link in the show notes. We'll leave one below to help you sign up for the email list so that you can be the first to know when spots open and how to get a discount. All right, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly, entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up-level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go make shift happen. Okay, I have Lori here. She's, we're literally sitting on my bedroom floor right now. Mm-hmm. She came all the way from Australia, and we're so excited to be together. It's taken us a while to get this podcast recorded because we're just sitting here laughing. And <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> but we need to get it together so we can bring you guys an awesome episode. So we kind of wanted to talk about, we were out to dinner last night, and we had some like conversations about like end of year and prepping for the new year and so we thought we'd do a fun little episode and I would have Lori bring in like the astrology element and just talk to you guys about um, Capricorn season and some of the astrology that's coming up in 2023 Um, and also just about like our own processes when it comes to like the end of the year and how to approach like a new year with new energy and all of that. So The first thing that we thought we would address is the whole like New Year's resolution, right? Like, do we care? Do we like them? Do we hate them? What's the vibe? What's our hot take? So what's your hot take on New Year's resolutions, Lori? Okay, so New Year's resolutions to me, I've had a love-hate relationship with them because I think that they've got this negative connotation all the time and over the years to be something that we have to stick to and you know that we get branded as a failure if we don't succeed by a certain deadline so I find that has a quite a negative connotation so I don't like them that's my hot take I don't think that they work (laughs) I think it's all about reframing the mindset around what we are setting out to achieve Hmm. Yeah. So when we like looked up the definition of resolution, it says a firm decision to do or not do something. And I think like when we think about the new year's resolutions that are kind of like classic or like, I guess how I used to think about new year's resolutions when I was younger, it was basically like this thing that you were going to do or not do for the entire year. Mm -hmm. So it was, I'm going to do this thing every day for the whole year or I'm not going to do this thing at all mm-hmm. any day for the entire year, right? That's the firm decision to do or not do something. That's like the textbook definition of a resolution. And I think the reason why like resolutions are kind of 
outdated and not a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know, do they? I feel like not a lot of people do them anymore. But maybe a lot of people do. We're just kind of in this like community Mm -hmm. in like the personal development space and like in the spiritual space where like Mm -hmm. maybe that's not the language or that's not so maybe we just have the perception that like oh people don't do resolutions anymore but maybe a lot of people still do yes but anyway I think like yeah the the past like idea of a resolution was to do or not do something every day for the entire year and I think the reason that they always fail is there's just so much that allows no room for flexibility Mm. there's no space for you to like ebb and flow and like have a day off or a bad day it was almost like um the day that you that you don't do the thing that you said you were gonna do or you do the thing that you said you weren't gonna do Mm -hmm. is like you ended your new year's resolution like the first day that you fuck up is like it's over it's over yeah so i think that's like there's too much pressure on it too Mm -hmm. and the first day that you mess up is then like okay now you're done so then you're, why would I keep going or why would I get back on the horse kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the, like the traditional idea of resolutions is just like it limits us too much. And we were talking about the difference between like those older like task-oriented resolutions versus this like lifestyle embodiment, which is kind of like how we envision it now. When you go into the new year, instead of thinking about I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, or this is the list of things that I'm going to do every day, or here's the things that I'm no longer going to do, it's more just like creating this overarching vision of what what is the lifestyle that you want to have, and then working towards being the embodiment of that version of yourself. But of course, there's room in there for you to have days where you don't do it so well, Mm -hmm. or you don't do it at all, but you're still in the process of becoming the embodiment of the new lifestyle. Absolutely. And I think when it comes to resolutions, I hear absolution as well. So it's like one to a hundred, you're either all in or you're not. And I think that's why the failure tendencies and the thought patterns come up when you kind of, you know, have an off day or anything like that. And I think what comes in with that lifestyle embodiment is grace that's something that we are going to have to integrate into our days because you're not going to be the same person every day. So I think we're our biggest critics and I think it's a bit harsh of us to think that we can be the same person every day. And that's why absolution, it's like one, we either go 100% or we don't. And I think that there needs to be this kind of scale of how much input we put in each day to being that version that we are trying to embody through our lifestyle yeah I even feel that with like morning routines absolutely yes (laughs) like I cannot do the same morning routine every day Mm. because I'm not the same person every day I don't have the same energy level every day I don't have the same amount of time Mm -hmm. every day I don't have the same level of like intention or even just like sometimes I'm like oh I'm gonna do this certain morning routine every day for like a week and I do it for like four days and it feels really, really good. But then on the fifth day, I like don't want to do it. Yeah. And the motivation levels come and go. But then also, and this is where the context of like consistency comes into it. I agree that it's good to be consistent, but the consistency doesn't have to look the same every day. Mm. It's doing that little bit 1% every day to being that better version of yourself. And how you actually do it in terms of your routine can look different as long as it's serving you for your highest good. 
Yeah. Do you remember when we did like the list of things for you one time? Mm-hmm. That was so long ago. When Lori was, I think that was in From Bird Talk to Badass. Yeah, when we were working together, yeah. Yeah. Like, mm. Or maybe it was when we were working when I was, one-on-one. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everyone listening is like, I don't care. <laughs> but when we were working together, when we were doing coaching. Yes. We did this thing for you where we like created this list of a bunch of like activities or things that you like to do that you generally enjoy that would be nice as an element of a morning routine of some kind and then the idea was that you could just like pick what felt good for you that day and so you were still being like consistent with doing something that was like an embodiment of your future Mm -hmm. self and like taking time for yourself and being intentional or like doing an activity I know there's like lots of clients that have done this with me as well with like feminine energy things like people that really struggle to like lean into their feminine energy they're like well I don't want to just dance every day like Mm -hmm. that's that feels kind of weird to be like it's a to-do list for me to like dance every day so you come up with like a list of things that work or that you that you enjoy and then you just every day get to pull like one thing from Mm -hmm. that list so you're still like moving forward and being the embodiment but there's not that rigidity of like yes. it has to be this one thing every single day. Because I don't know. I don't – what do you think? Is it a personality thing? Is it manifesting generator thing? Is it a female thing? Is it a human thing that like I just like get bored of like doing the same thing? I have a feeling it's a, probably a combination of all of them. But I do feel that – and the human design experts can definitely chime in on this. But I do believe it does come down to your human design. But also I do believe as – you know, feminine beings and embracing that feminine side, you know, our cycles are 28 days and, you know, men have 24 hours of their cycle. So I do feel that that does come into play when it comes to trying to be rigid in something when every day is going to look different based on your energy levels. So I do feel that it's a combination of that. And I do think that just because, yeah, if you're a man and you have a 24 hour cycle doesn't mean that everything has to be so rigid as well there are ebbs and flows to life just like with everything give okay and but like the 24 hour cycle makes it make so much more sense why mm. a man could do the same thing every day yeah right absolutely because they go through their whole cycle and then they come back in the morning and start again and you yeah they are like they basically wake up the same time like same every day the same energy i'm not saying that this, this is just a very generalized blanket right, statement right, right. but you know it's more easier to be able to stick to a routine that's rigid the same every day if your cycle is a 24 hour cycle because right. you're starting afresh every day whereas for feminine beings and like people who identify as feminine and women and that's going to be a little bit harder when one day your energy levels are through the roof and the next day you're just depleted and you just want to rest and that's why we're that's where the grace comes into it to appreciate where you are in that moment yeah yeah if you guys haven't listened to the podcast episode with Jen Kavanaugh where we talked about cycle syncing that would be a cool one to listen to too because that just kind of talks about how to pair your exercise routine your nutrition your sex life your lifestyle like everything with the four different phases of your cycle so if you haven't listened to that episode it's super interesting like if you've if you've never heard of cycle syncing and you're like what are you talking about the 28 day cycle versus a 24 hour cycle for men go find that episode um and it's like super interesting 
But okay, so we were talking about last night at dinner, we were talking about this toxic like work pattern that we have, which is something that we want to shift in the new year. Mm-hmm. Speaking of like, you know, habits, routines, like getting back on track, right? Setting these resolutions or intentions or whatever you want to call them. And we're talking about our kind of toxic work pattern, which is that I don't really know how to, I feel like it's such a long-winded description. (laughs) Like how do I describe what it is? But I think because you and I both realized that we do the same thing, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that some people are going to listen to it and be like, oh my God, like I do that also. Absolutely. So that's why I felt it was valuable to share maybe. But basically it's kind of like, well, I can let you describe what it feels like for you. But Mm -hmm. like you, mm, okay, so we feel like we work a lot. Yes. Right? And we do sort of work a lot. But we're kind of like have a lot of working hours. Mm-hmm. but we're not necessarily like doing the work that we need to be doing or being productive in all of those hours. So what we would love to see happen moving forward in the new year is finding a system or a way to be more refined or like more focused in like shorter bursts and actually just getting like the productive things done and then being able to stop working. But when you have like this like distraction and you spend like 30 minutes like looking at something that you didn't plan to look at and then that pushes your next task back and then you're like, okay, now I have to do this. But then you get distracted on Instagram and then you go do this other thing and then there's another kind of distraction. So then instead of working like a two hour like fully focused block, it's like four or five hours to get two hours of work done. So we've realized that we are saying to ourselves a lot, like, I work a lot, I work a lot. And it's like, well, do you work a lot or do are you just have a lot of working hours? Mm. But then there's a lot of distraction mixed in. Yeah, I feel like there's a couple of things about this. You know, working from home doesn't really help the situation, I guess, because there are a lot of stra- distractions lifestyle-wise that can definitely eat up into that time. But secondly, I think it's a matter of doing like an audit of your day to really have a look and sit down and map out how much time you're spending on each, which is something that I'm going to have to do for myself. And that's what we were talking about last night as well. But just really getting clear on how much time certain tasks are taking you and just writing down what is distracting you in any moment. And then I guess, therefore, looking at that, reflecting and seeing how you can adjust to make it align with your day. You know what's funny, though, is like I did not think that you had that problem. Great. Because I, <laughs> I feel like you're so efficient with your time. Well, thank you. Like the time that you – because like I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? Nor, nor do I. It's okay. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the time that you're – like when when I send you like random tasks, you're always like so quick and you're like, that's done. This has been actioned. This has been sorted. And it's like so quick. And I'm like, wow. And I literally thought like Lori's like so focused. Like I wish I had her level of focus. So then it was just funny to have that conversation and be like, what? Yeah, I work long hours. I think that's what I'll say. Um, but I thank you. That is so great to hear. But yeah, I, I, I do struggle with that, you know, idea of procrastination just in general. But yeah. also... Um, 
prioritizing the tasks and working through that is something that I, I just work what I need to do on that day. We don't worry about tomorrow. Everything can be moved if needed, but obviously just prioritizing what needs to be done right now. Um, and I do those things. So I'm glad that it's, <laughs> it's coming off that way because, um, that's the intention as well. Yeah. We talked about the Parkinson's law, which is like, whatever amount of time you allot to a task, you end up finding a way to fill that full time, which is kind of like our experience. So you work from home. So you basically have all day. So if you mm-hmm. needed to work until 10 p.m., you could. Mm-hmm. So then sometimes that like ends up happening because you do random things in the day or you take a break or you get distracted or whatever. And it's like because it's like a psychological thing. You don't do it on purpose. But because your body or your mind or whatever like knows that you have more time if you needed it, you find a way to then fill it. And like I notice this so much. Sometimes have you ever like finished a task like quicker than you thought or like it it was and then you're like oh I could jump right into the next thing but then instead of jumping into the next thing that you had scheduled for like 30 minutes later you fill that 30 minutes with like scrolling on Instagram Mm -hmm. or like doing something fucking random and then you're like why did I do that like why didn't I just go oh awesome I'm gonna take advantage of that like extra 30 minutes yeah it's like so crazy like the example that we gave of like getting ready to go out like for girls if you were like if someone's like you have 20 minutes like we have to leave and you're like okay and you you find a way to get ready in Mm -hmm. 20 minutes but then if you have like a dinner planned and you know you have like an hour and a half to get ready you still you're not going to be ready after 20 minutes you're not going to be ready after 45 minutes you're not even going to be ready after an hour you're going to find a way to elongate that whole process and dilly-dally and do different things and get distracted so that you are ready on the dot after like the hour and a half that was allotted for that time frame. So that happens so much in our work. Mm-hmm. And it's, I was telling you this, it's almost like worse for me to have more free time. Yeah. Yeah. Like it fucks me over so bad. If I swear... I got so much more done when I was like really in my masculine version of like running my business. I was so much more efficient and I was so much more effective because I didn't have time. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I have to do this task. Like I have 30 minutes or I have an hour. I have to write the email so then it would get done. Then when I like started creating more white space in my calendar, which is awesome like it's I need to learn how to like manage the white space I'm not I'm not saying like (laughs) do like fill every time block because that will help you it's like a balance right but when I started to create more white space in the calendar and allow myself more free time and like days where I don't see clients I got more distracted and I got less productive like a hundred percent it was like that like chaotic feminine where it's like the free flowing feels so good that you're just not doing anything. <laughs> Which is not helpful for business. It's not helpful at all. No. It's not helpful for not even just like the business because we ultimately end up getting everything done. Yeah. Right? Because Parkinson's law. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the last minute of when you're like, shit, like this really needs to be done, then it gets done. When there's not that pressure of like another – of like a deadline or a due date or another task coming up that like you have to focus on so that – other one has to really get wrapped up when there's no pressure on it you just like keep finding a way to move it Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah. And that, like, <laughs> irritates me so. I'm like, why? Uh, why can I not? I, I put it down to that that's the artist in you or the creative in you because I, what I believe, and I, tell me if this is what you believe too, but I do believe that the creatives within us all kind of thrive off the chaos and that's the pressure of awesome. yeah <laughs> that's the pressure of you know the deadline fast approaching and having the ability to always making it work and i just feel like mm. i kind of almost get a bit of an adrenaline rush when there is a bit of chaos around and having so many due dates and deadlines yes it's overwhelming and not great for my nervous system but i, I kind of thrive off that the little chaos that's going around, like even just prepping before I got here, you know, there was a, a, an abundance of work to be done, but, but you probably got so much done. I did. I got so much done and I, I loved it. I loved immersing myself in it because I knew that there was deadlines approaching and it just meant that I was more productive. And I wonder if it just comes down to just being a bit more dedicated to your boundaries. Like if you have that white space, just being dedicated to finishing the time that you say you would like to, and not being lax with your own, you know, like like boundaries that you've put in place mm-hmm. for when you actually like log off at the end of the day. Um, so that way you can actually enjoy the free time that you have. Yeah. I've talked about this before and on the podcast, I think about like boundaries with myself. They're always the most challenging ones for me because we talked about like being obligers versus like upholders, which is the four tendencies by... Gretchen Rubin, she talks about these like four different like motivation styles, basically. And we went through them in From Burnt Out to Badass. And I'm an obliger, which means like when there's an external expectation, like a boss or somebody else saying like you have to be there at this time or you this is when it starts, like you have to do this at this time. This is when something is due. It's like I'm going to get it done for that time. But if I... I say you need to go to the gym by six that could easily turn into 6 30 or 7 or 8 or tomorrow or mm-hmm. d- never never <laughs> right yeah. so like my expectations for myself are the easiest ones to bulldoze and be like oh we'll just like you know move it shift it it'll be fine mm-hmm. so that's like a continuous journey for me is like how to be more honoring of my boundaries with myself and those are the ones that you should stick to the most. And I, I understand that you're able to push and move your own, you know, deadlines aside. But I, I think it's because you're not really inconveniencing yourself. I think you'd rather inconvenience yourself than someone else and an external pressure or deadline or a boss, anything like that, because you obviously you don't want to let them down, but you're so okay with letting yourself down. I know. But, that, what like is this? that? That's I, so lame. I feel yeah. like it's like people pleasey too. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, I can't make myself seem flaky to anybody else, but I'll be the flakiest bitch on the planet to myself and not care about it. Yeah. Like, and be like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, but, ew, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. We need to not. Course correct. We need to course correct. Yeah. We need to figure that out. So anyway, we thought we'd share that with you guys. That's real time. Our journey. (laughs) What? Something that we want to shift about our own like habits and patterns and routines for the new year. But let's talk about Capricorn season because obviously when the time this episode comes out, it'll be like about a week before we enter into Capricorn season and that's the energy that we're in at the time of the new year. So just to kind of like project into January, well, late December, 
early January and think about like how Capricorn season might affect us, what the energy is going to be like. Um, So let's do like an overview, kind of how we do in the vibe checks, but like an overview of just like the Capricorn like traits and sort of energy that we can expect. Yeah, so Capricorn season is very diligent. (laughs) So Capricorn energy is very structured, it's mature, it's responsible, and it gets a lot of its uh, energy and traits from its ruling planet Saturn. So Saturn is father time and represents longevity. And I like to view Saturn as, as if it's like, if you're going to want to get into shape, Saturn is going to be the personal trainer that's going to whip your ass into gear in the six week time frame that you want to look your best and in shape. So it's the, the planet that's going to come in to just really course correct and get you onto the right path. So Capricorn energy is really about climbing the ladder, starting from rock bottom and looking towards that long-term success. So when we look at the archetype, it's the goat. So what do goats do? They do climb mountains and they they scale them from the very bottom and they get to the top with no help and they can just do it on their own. And that's something that Capricorn energy can be um, really looked at and admired by just the tenacity and the dedication that they would take just to really build success and the lifestyle that they are here to lead. So that's something that I really do love about Capricorn energy is they're really structured and regimented to getting shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the Capricorns that I know are so, they have like a really strong work ethic. Yes, 100%. 100%. And that's due to the idea of looking towards the the long-term gratification as opposed to the short-term. They They understand that things are going to take a lot longer. So they really dedicate a lot of their time into their work ethic to produce good work and um, ensure that, yeah, it's going to have long sustainable effects rather than just, you know, overnight success. Mm. What about the shadow sides of Capricorn energy? Yeah. So there are a lot of shadow sides that can, like I say, with every vibe check is, you know, every sign has shadow sides and with Capricorn in particular, what I've noticed and what I've learned is that because they tend to mature quite quickly in life is they tend to have quote unquote less fun um, and fun can look and mean something different to everyone, but they tend to be a bit more regimented and rigid, which means that they are more serious serious in life and yeah less likely just to let loose and let their hair down basically Mm, yeah but we were kind of talking about like capricorns and money because i was Mm -hmm. like i feel like most capricorns are really good at making money or like Mm. figuring out a way to like be financially successful and abundant and have like that sort of like i don't know just like successful like wealth luxury sort of like vibe that's like the Capricorns that I know like really that's like kind of part of their personality is they love nice things and they Mm -hmm. find a way to get them and they do it through hard work Mm -hmm. um so can you talk a little bit about like uh the Capricorn and like money and responsibility yeah of course and this is something that comes down to the houses in a birth chart so Capricorn rules the 10th house which is career, vocation, legacy. So naturally they have an affinity towards, you know, building up 
like a business building up success really putting all their effort into their work ethic so they can build a reputation for themselves publicly that is you know admired by others through work career and success so they they're definitely ones to turn to i find for like business advice um and just really scaling something from the ground up hmm. so obviously there's like an energy an unspoken energy that happens in like January, like at the start of the new year, right? And I think most people associate it with the new year, but I think it also comes from like Capricorn season in general. So for anybody, whether you're a Capricorn or not, what can we like expect to feel as we go into Capricorn season? Like what's that like? Every season has like its own like new sort of like feeling. What's the feeling that we get from Capricorn season? The first thing that comes to mind is getting your shit together (laughs) because I find this is also coming from the fact that it's an earth sign. So really um, grounding our efforts into the material world. So we're more likely to feel motivated towards our dreams and, you know, building careers, um, whether that be an entrepreneur or working for someone else, we're really dedicating our time to building up the success that we're going to, you know, long-term appreciate. Um, and I feel like that this correlates really well with the beginning of the year where people start to set their new year resolutions, intentions, goals, um, because we're also heightened by the celestial energy to do so because mm-hmm. the cosmos is saying it's Capricorn energy, get your shit done and really put time and dedicate time into the legacy that you'd like to leave. Mm. I love that feeling. Me too. I feel like there's two, <laughs> I feel like there's two times of the year where I really feel like, okay, like let's get it together. Obviously one of them is the new year because it's Capricorn season. Do you know what my other one is? I know you're going to say Virgo season. Yes. <laughs> but that's also because the Virgo energy that you have in your chart as well. So, But do you think everybody feels that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. But yours would be heightened for than, yeah. than myself who has less Virgo energy in their yeah. chart. But yeah, absolutely. Those are the two times a year that I find it's just really great to get your shit together those are like the two new years and to me yeah well because you're a Virgo rising as well (laughs) yeah and also I think if you grew up in the northern hemisphere I think it's northern hemisphere in general but let's say like okay America and Europe I know the time of year that we start school Mm -hmm. is Virgo season so it's like it's you're starting your new school year so it really was like a whole new year for Mm -hmm. us it was the beginning of the new year at school was in Virgo season and it was very much like get your supplies like get organized like put all your everything in like the red folder and everything in the blue folder and get all of your stuff like so it really we also grew up with that sort of feeling but it's funny how like the stars knew yeah the stars Mm -hmm. aligned like the stars knew that before Mm. like our society like built that structure Absolutely. And they're both earth signs, Virgo and Capricorn, because again, it's really about, you know, when you go through and you move through the Zodiac, it's, you know, some of them favor more the intangibleness of life where it's like dreaming big and visions, but there are the earth signs as well, which really integrate that into the material world. So that's why it's good to look at your whole chart because you have every sign and you're able to blend the worlds together so that way not only can you say manifest and materialize intangibly by visioning but you can also catch that and bring it into the real world and just materialize it as well Mm. and then is capricorn fixed mutable or um, cardinal cardinal they're the initiators 
So similarly, like Aries, Cancer and Libra, they are the initiators of life. So they're going to get projects started. They're going to really be the first person, the ideas person to start projects. And that's where the sustainable, like the sustaining um, signs, they come in to just sort of like see it through. And then the mutable signs, the ones that adapt and change should any of the the course change along the way. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I brought that up was because I thought it was cardinal, but I wanted to check. But it makes sense that it's like the initiation, like the beginning, like the Mm -hmm. start, like it's the new year. Yes. Oh my God. Astrology. Astrology (laughs) is so cool. (laughs) Okay. So speaking of astrology, we're going to talk about a few things that are happening in 2023 that are sort of like the bigger shifts in like the astrological realm, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one, well, we read something, I read something that was about how that there was this sort of more intense period in the, the astrological landscape that we were living from 2020 to 2022, which obviously, whether you believe in astrology or not, like it was fucking intense. We felt it, right? We all felt it. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> but what I read, which I wanted to share it because it was hopeful, it was like this Um, intensity that we experienced from 2020 to 2022 finally begins to dissipate this year as Saturn leaves Aquarius to enter Pisces. So we are going to talk about this Saturn placement and how it's leaving Aquarius and moving into Pisces and what that kind of means because there's several implications. Not only this idea of like maybe things will be a little bit lighter now, but also it changes everybody who's going to now have their Saturn return. Yes. It's like a new wave of Saturn returns, which is a big deal, especially for like a lot of the people that listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. You will fall in the category of like that age range of if you're 26 to 29, if you haven't already had your Saturn return, if your Saturn return was not in Aquarius like mine was, you probably have yours in Pisces, which is coming up Mm -hmm. this year. So... Let's talk about the Saturn return being in Pisces for all. That's your, that's going to be yours. Yeah, that's going to be mine. So that officially starts uh, around March 7 of 2023. And Saturn returns do get a bad rep. And uh, it depends on how you want to look at it. It's all about perspective. But basically it's, it comes into kind of (laughs) Saturn returns come in to like clear the path to pave the right one forward. So you're, it will remove like people in your life that no longer are serving you situations, jobs. Um, so it, it can be shitty in the moment, but it's all for your highest good. Now, not everyone has the same, um, I guess experience, um, and it's going to look different to everyone. So it's not to say that your relationship's going to fail or that your job's like, some, you're going to get fired. That's not it. But it just means that if you're not already on the right path, to your highest good and your highest self that the cosmos can intervene in every way that it knows how so that you do course correct and go where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So with Saturn being in Aquarius the last couple of years, it's been a very intellectual time. So we've all been in our minds and in our head, which is like a lot of overthinking, a lot of like intellectual processing. When it moves into Pisces, we're going into a water sign, which is all about the emotions and intuition and dreamy and really just out of this world, like blending realities. So we kind of have this 
strong, stern, mature energy of Saturn in a really dreamy, flaky, fluid Pisces. And it's going to be interesting to integrate those two energies together um, as we navigate these next couple of years. And that is going to play effect if you are having a Saturn return if your Saturn is in Pisces in your birth chart. Mm -hmm. So if you're wondering if you're going to have a Saturn return this year in 2023, you will want to pull up your birth chart. You can go to astro.com and pull up your birth chart. You can maybe, do they tell you on like CoStar and like on those apps where your Saturn is? Yeah, that will, yeah. 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 So maybe you could even like use one of your, if you guys have like the astrology apps, you could just see like, what sign Mm -hmm. is your Saturn in, right? And so it'll be clear. If your Saturn is in Pisces, that means this year, your turn. It's your turn. (laughs) It's your turn, bitch. (laughs) So what's interesting is I did an astrology course this Mm -hmm. year with Deborah Silverman. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And we had like a whole section on the Saturn returns. So it's not just once. It happens like every, roughly every 30 years, right? So, but not exactly on the dot 30, right? Mm -hmm. There's like a range. Um, But so we will have multiple in our life, God willing, that we live, (laughs) you know? But we'll have multiple. And so it was really interesting because there were a lot of like older women in the group and they were kind of like reflecting because we looked in the ephemeris, which is like the thing that tells you like where exact degrees where Saturn was in all of the years of like history and so we were able to go back and see when everybody's Saturn returns were like the months and the Mm -hmm. years that like Saturn was like actually on their exact degree that it is on their birth chart and it was so interesting for to hear like these women go back and reflect and go wow that was the year that I got divorced Mm -hmm. or like wow that was the year that someone like died and it like created like this whole like upheaval or that was the year that I had my son or Mm -hmm. that I adopted a child or like really big kind of like monumental changes that happened in these women's lives like some of them were over 60 so we got to kind of look at like multiple Saturn returns which was very cool and then at the time I was like fully in my Saturn return. Mm-hmm. And I was like looking at the ephemeris and I was like, oh my God, like the exact degree is like about to hit in like a few weeks. <laughs> and so my Saturn return, reflecting on it now, because uh, it'll, I mean, I'm still sort of like in it until March, right? But I believe like the months where Saturn was like exactly on the degree of my birth chart, I believe I've moved through them. Um, But reflecting on just like the experience of 2022 being the year of my Saturn return, uh, what I said to you was it was a really, it was a hard year. Mm -hmm. I was interested to see what my Saturn return would be like for me as someone who does a lot of inner work and like is very conscious. And I'm like, I don't know, like maybe there's things that I'm, that I don't know about that like need to be like brought to the surface. Like it could be like really hard and challenging Or it could be like a breeze. I was just curious. Like, what is this going to be like? You know, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you feel the same way. Yeah. Like, so (laughs) keen. Like, what is it going to look like for me? So I realized that my experience was, it was a hard year. Like, it was probably like one of my hardest 
years, actually. But it was a really good year because it wasn't hard in the sense of things going wrong or things breaking down or things getting ripped away or being dismantled. It was hard in the sense of like being forced to grow. There were so many things about, you know, moving back home to the States and doing like the immigration process with Jaime and like so many things with just like lawyers and like legal stuff with my business of like reestablishing like my business in America and, you know, new bank accounts and separate getting organized with money and finances and buying the house and getting a mortgage and getting a car and like furnishing this whole place and establishing myself as an adult and paying bills and like it's so much like grounding into adulthood mm-hmm. that was like my Saturn return was like it's time for you to stop <laughs> like traveling the world and just like having everything be easy mm-hmm. and to actually like be an adult Which, like, there's nothing wrong with the way that I was living before. Absolutely. I had responsibilities. Like, I had bills. Like, I paid rent. Like, I lived Mm -hmm. with my partner. But it's just such a different energy. Like, I never really understood the whole, like, conversation about, like, oh, my God, adulting is so hard. I fully, like, did not get that. I fully did not get it. Like, I'm like, I don't get the joke. Like, why is adulting hard? Because I was an adult, but I was also, like, living in Europe. And, like, everything was, like, fun and easy, (laughs) you know? a little bit different. A little different. So then when I got a mortgage and a house and all these responsibilities and I – and the business is always growing and changing. And I just, like, felt the weight of responsibility, I think, is, like, the biggest – the biggest thing that my Saturn return was about was, like, holding more responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was, like, intense for me. Like, not going to lie. <laughs> I'm like, what were we talking about the other day? Like, if someone asks me to, like, throw them, like, a bachelorette party or to, like, be a bridesmaid, like I'm like, no. <laughs> like, luckily no one has asked me to do that yet because they probably sense the fact. <laughs> Everyone stop asking. No. <laughs> they probably sense that. I'm like, absolutely not. I cannot be that person for you right now. I cannot hold any more. I, I, do, I can't even plan a date with my partner. Like I do. I can't even open my mailbox. Yeah. I literally <laughs> fully not kidding. Like it's Jaime's job to open the mailbox because it stresses me out. The fact that so many people know my address somehow and send me spam mail and send me things that say final notice on them and it's like fake and I'm like, this is a waste of time for me to have to be so discerning. Mm-hmm. I just get overwhelmed with the sense of responsibility after this year. Mm-hmm. Also carrying the weight of like obviously being the income driver of our family and having to pay for everything while we were in this process before Jaime could work again. Like that was a lot. Just like energetically being like, oh, it's all up to me. And actually it's, all up to me because it's not like I work for somebody else it's like fully like all up to me you know what I mean like I work for myself Mm -hmm. so and I pay all the bills so that was a lot so I think that was my experience in general of the Saturn return for me was a really hard year because I was being forced to grow and really take on more responsibility and just hold more I, I I love hearing your story for it because it is exactly what I feel like obviously I haven't gone through a Saturn return yet but it's what I feel a Saturn return should be because it is here to 
push you and give you that little nudge to grow. And it's all about your perspective of like what you're going to view it as. You could have easily wallowed in self-pity of Mm -hmm. everything that was going down, but you persevered, you kept going because you knew you did want the house and you did want to move and you did want to do all the things. And the universe knew that you were ready. It presented every opportunity it had to you in that time frame, And a and lot of obstacles along the way to like test how bad do you want exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> and you took it all in your stride and that's what it's here to do. And you mentioned so many words of like responsibility, like growing up and, and this is the pivotal point in, you know, our lives. It is, right? It's yeah. supposed to be where we go from like celestial children to like adults. Exactly. And this is that pivotal moment and you just described that so beautifully without really like bringing the astrology into it. You were just talking about your experience and that is exactly what the universe does and the cosmos does is it kind of brings you opportunities but also sweeps away what is no longer needed as you enter that next echelon of your being, which is adulthood and, you know, being responsible. And it wasn't the fact that you weren't being responsible before, but that lifestyle no longer serves you and the things that you needed to do to get to this next level it kind of it came flooding in at once around Saturn return time, which is just beautifully aligns. Yeah. 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 Cause I forgot about that, mm-hmm. but that's like a real thing. They yeah. like talk about it in that way that like before the first Saturn return is like youth child. Basically yeah. <laughs> you're like a child having fun. Yeah. And then the first Saturn return comes around and then that's like your adult mm. process. Yeah. So interesting. When I looked at my mom's, like she had me on on her Saturn return. And that would have thrown so much responsibility her way of like having a child and, you know, having to expand the family and just be more like just growing up in so many different ways and adding another child. And yeah, just it, it can show up in so many different ways. And that's what I love. Like there's no cookie cutter, like template of what a Saturn return is going to look like. You know, yeah. mine's going to look so different to what yours yours was. And, you know, there may be some similarities like weaved in, but it's going to look so different to everyone. So, yeah, I highly encourage anyone listening to just, if you know where your Saturn placement is, is just do a quick, like, Google search of, like, Saturn return in Pisces or Saturn return in whatever <laughs> sign that you have, whether it's Aquarius or Capricorn or um, even Aries if you're young enough. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely do the research because knowing the energy of where it's placed in the chart um, in the certain sign will just give you more context of what kind of energies to expect. And when you get deeper into knowing which houses it's in, it can also reflect on where it's going to show up in your life. You know what's interesting? If you do, if you do move abroad, mm-hmm in the next year which will be like your year of your Saturn return Mm. it's funny because I was talking about how like in my Saturn return it was like (laughs) you need to go home basically (laughs) mine's like you need to go (laughs) and yours is like you need to go Mm. but it's it's still you it's it's funny because it's like the same the opposite but overall it's the same Mm -hmm. because your version of moving into adulthood would be like leaving everything that you know to actually be fully independent 100%. like so far from home mm-hmm. right whereas like my I'm already so naturally like independent and have been like off on my own all the time mm-hmm. like frolicking <laughs> you know yeah like doing whatever mm-hmm. and then it's like okay your energy to grow up is to like get grounded and create a home for yourself yeah whereas like yours could be like to actually get out and go see the world and travel and mm-hmm. live in a different country 
Yeah. So that's just speaks so beautifully to like what you said about there's no cookie cutter way yeah. to experience your Saturn return. Because we could be doing like legit the exact opposite. Like I moved home from Europe and you're like going to move to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because it's your own journey of like what it means for you to like grow into that like next level of adulthood. Mm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's helpful for you guys. Whoever maybe you're um, have a Saturn in Aquarius like me and you've just moved through your Saturn return and maybe you like were totally oblivious to it and you didn't know Mm -hmm. that this year was like that for you and if you did have a hard year like maybe that can bring some context to it for you and then if you have potentially a Saturn in Pisces you can just kind of like have that foresight of knowing that this next year is your year to like really grow and like take all of those obstacles or whatever comes your way as like an opportunity to move through it and yeah, pass the test, essentially. Okay, so the last shift that we're going to talk about in terms of like astrology in 2023 is the nodes shifting, the north node and the south and the south node. So can you explain, because I'm also not very clear on this, I know what my north and south nodes are, but like what does it mean for like the general north and south nodes to shift? Yeah, so... It's basically... <gasps> it's where they were when I was born. Yeah. And now they're somewhere else. Yes. Right. Okay, answer my own question. <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> no, it's not dumb. There's no such thing as a dumb question. But I love that you got to that answer on your own. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yeah, in July in 2023, on the 18th, uh, the nodes will shift out of Taurus and Scorpio and shift into Aries and Libra. So they're directly opposite each other. So where you'll find the North Node directly opposite, you'll find the South Node. Um, and the energy is definitely going to be shifting around that time as well. Yes. So I have a North Node in Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. And that would mean my South Node is in Gemini. Correct. Yes. Okay. So that's where they were at the time that I was born. Mm-hmm. So if you know your north and south nodes, that's what that is. But nowadays, right, in 2022, well, in 2023, what we're speaking about is that they're going to be in Aries and Libra. Mm-hmm. So what, is, what does that mean for us? Like, why do we care? <laughs> we care for a lot of reasons. And I, I, I think it's always good to just preface what the north and south node are. So the north node, for anyone listening who doesn't know what this is, um, basically the north node is your destiny placement or one of them at least um where you can turn to when you're you know going through your chart as a place of your soul purpose and your soul trajectory it's basically where your soul is striving towards to achieve by the end of this lifetime your south node is your comfort zones and where you choose to your default setting basically to go back into some people even say it's like past lives yes it could be the north node of your past life so how you're entering into this life yes so I love looking at that. And if you are someone who believes in past lives, which you are, <laughs> um, and anyone listening, it's, it's a really great little um, something to keep in the back of your mind as well. But when we look at the actual energies of the signs, Aries and Libra energy are all about the self and the other in the realm of life. So it's a real delicate balance between independence and relationships. And relationships doesn't always have to be intimate. It could be any kind of relationship that you have with friends, family, and colleagues, yeah. peers. So we're, we're going to really see the balance that we have of really integrating a lot of um, 
learnings about the self and then how we approach other people, um, what kind of roles we play in our lives and other people's lives, and just really making sure that we are tending to both, you know, our own time, like me time, as well as time with friends, time with family, time with loved ones, and just really, yeah, getting clear on what role we want to play in our life, the character that we are in our movie and, you know, the characters that we play in other people's movies. Mm. I feel like throughout the pandemic, people have had to kind of like learn some of this stuff. And then it's like in 2023, we're kind of going to like see that reflected a lot in this like North and South node placement. Because so many people during that time started to learn about boundaries. And so many people went through spiritual awakenings. So many people started their personal development path of like, discovering different like podcasts or books or just like opening themselves up to that journey, learning about themselves or like pursuing their like inner work. And then also kind of like looking at the people in their lives. There's huge conversations about toxic relationships, you know, toxic friendships, like cutting people out or, you know, getting rid of things that don't serve you. Like, I feel like we've all kind of been like learning throughout the past couple of years leading up to this beautiful placement which is like okay now we need to do both yeah so like whatever was more prevalent for you because like some people maybe went on a big journey of like these people actually aren't my real friends or these people actually even though they're my family like I don't need to give them all of me because they clearly don't support me or they don't honor my choices or whatever it is other people maybe went on a totally inward selfish kind of journey through the Mm -hmm. pandemic which was like discovering myself my wants my desires who am I what are my values and now with this like Aries Libra North Node South Node thing I feel like it's okay but like let's do both Mm -hmm. so it's like yes and right and like see how we balance that and I love that you touch on that because when you look back at the last couple of years in terms of the pandemic and like you mentioned everyone really diving deep into that journey and whatever that looked like you know, if we just sort of backtrack, you know, the North and South Node are changing from Taurus and Scorpio. But before that, it, the nodes were in Gemini and Sagittarius, which mm. is expanding the mind and really intellectually processing things in different ways, seeking new perspectives. And, you know, when they transitioned into Taurus and Scorpio, it's going into our values and our belief systems and the inner deep shadow work of Scorpio. The death exactly. and rebirth. The death and rebirth. So then oh you're my absolutely God. right. We fully have just been on this journey Mm-hmm. together the past like two years it makes so much sense yeah and like this is why like I I don't say that you know astrology it's not the reason things are happening but it's a great tool to turn to to reflect you know collectively what's going on but also at an individual level when you look at your chart personally when you look mm. at the transit so I, I yeah you know it, people say who are skeptic about it they can be but I think it's just a great tool to turn to just to reflect and just sort of preempt what's coming up so you can then integrate that on a personal level yeah yeah I love that okay so we've got that coming up in 2023 balancing the our like selfish needs with our relational needs so awesome thank you so much Lori for all this beautiful like astrological guidance and advice I loved this conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you did, don't forget to take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, tag me at underscore Samantha Daily and at Makeshift Happen Podcast. We love to see the episodes that you guys are loving. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star rating. If you hated it, don't leave a rating. It's fine. You don't need to. (laughs) We still love you. 
<laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.